Some in the community may feel uneasy as we approach their front doors in the house-to-house work. To alleviate this concern, encourage publishers not to touch the doorbells or doorways with the bare hand. And if the householder answers, step back six feet from the householder's door to maintain the suggested six feet social distancing. I'm stepping six feet back now, just to be safe. (laughs) Good morning, I'm taking my six feet distance from you for safety reasons. Who are you? Well, my name is JT and we're Jehovah's Witnesses. We were stopping by this morning. Please. These were the instructions that the circuit overseer was providing for the coordinators within his circuit. This took place right before the society announced that the door-to-door work would cease here in the United States until further notice. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, some of you, when you saw that skit, you may have chuckled. And others, you may have said, well, how in the world can JT be so insensitive? Something as serious as this, something as uh, impacting around the world as this, how can he make light of this? Well, we're not making light of it. In fact, what you saw demonstrated was actually a reenactment of a set of instructions that a circuit overseer had on his minutes that he was going to discuss with the coordinators in his circuit. Someone was kind enough to send us those minutes, and I really could believe when I read it that the circuit overseer, in his agenda that he would be discussing with the coordinators in his circuit, you see, this is one of those states that hadn't shut entire activities down. Uh, one of the things that's happened in the organization, which was very interesting when you read over all of these correspondences, one of the things that you see is literally total confusion. And why was it? Well, think about when it happens, what happens when it snows. In a circuit, when it snows, each congregation body of the elders, they decide whether they're going to have a meeting or not. And so over here, you may have a congregation body of elders say, well, brothers, we're not going to have a meeting. We're going to cancel the meeting tonight. Others, they say, well, we're going to open the kingdom hall. Anybody want to come and just show up? We're going to have the meeting. Well, something very similar was happening with the field service. Some elders like, you know, we're not going to go out and knock on people's door. We don't want nobody coming to our house with this stuff. So we're not going to go. Then you have other congregations sometimes within the same kingdom hall. Like, well, we're going to be going out in field service over here in Southside. Northside not go, but we're going. And all of a sudden, the friends start taking like, well, the brothers over there ain't going, they ain't going. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you had total chaos. I mean, the stories we heard, they was amazing. And I want to share some of the points with you because as you look back how the society and the circle of seers and the elders and the congregations were handling this thing, it just shows you total chaos and very little concern for the actual witness himself or even the householder. I want to share a couple of things with you. Note. Some of the publishers in the circuit have expressed frustration and confusion by the differing field service arrangements that each congregation in the local area are communicating to their publishers. If we keep a consistent approach and not go beyond written branch direction, then it will avoid publishers favoring one against the other. We need to be unified. We are not permitted by the branch to cancel the house-to-house ministry. Therefore, public witnessing activity should continue. This includes 
house-to-house work, cart witnessing, etc. So here we see what the problem was. Some of the elders realized we need to be concerned about the friends and we need to be concerned about the householders as well. But they couldn't make that decision. They could not look out as shepherds for the care of the congregation. Instead, we have to wait the corporate sends down the memo. And so this resulted in congregation elders realizing we're not going to knock on doors. But as we can see from the instructions, society told them at this time, get back out there and move those books. Now, this took place before the states all over the United States has shut down all activities for churches, basically. This is the type of instructions that the elders were being given. The two most important things that you need to know about Jehovah's Witnesses are their teachings and their culture. Now, listen to the next set of instructions very carefully. All congregations should recommence their midweek and weekend field service meetings. The elders should not pressure any publisher or make the sheep feel guilty if they don't feel comfortable participating in the house-to-house work, nor should they pressure fellow elders who do not feel comfortable doing so. Did you catch that? The instructions said that they should not make a publisher feel guilty if they did not want to participate in knocking on people's doors during this time. They make the point not to apply pressure to fellow elders to make them feel like going out knocking on doors at this time. Now, why would they say that? Why would the instructions include not to make people feel guilty? Why would the instructions say not to pressure people? (laughs) Because you know exactly why. Because this is part of the culture of Jehovah's Witnesses, to make people feel guilty, to put pressure on people. And so it's only when they receive instructions that they can't make people feel guilty or they can't apply pressure to people. That's when a Jehovah's Witness knows what to do. So this takes us back to a video that we did earlier. It was entitled Emotional Blackmail, where it discusses at length how Jehovah's Witnesses live in the fog, fear, obligation, and guilt. You see, it would have been very easy to make that cultural thing work real well. Can you imagine the elders telling all the friends in the congregation, this is Jehovah's arrangement? So you would have friends who would feel uncomfortable about going out in field service, but because they were being told by the elders that this is Jehovah's arrangement, that's the type of verbiage they would have been using But we see they had to be told not to do that. The same with the elders. Can you imagine the pressure that would have been exerted on elders? You have five elders in the congregation. Three decide, I'm going out and take my group out. Two decide, well, me and my family and brothers, we're not going. Can you imagine the pressure they would have been put under as the other elders explained to them, how are we going to look as a body of elders? Three of us are going out in field service and two of us are not. How is that going to look, brothers? We have to show a unified front. Yes, this is what the type of pressure that would have been put on them. Why? Because that's what this organization does. It makes people live in the fog, fear, obligation, and guilt. They have to be told what to do. 
Well, while the society was sending out letters telling uh, the friends at one time to keep on going out in field service, we got to keep it moving, got to keep it going. Going to people's homes is what they were telling the rank and file Jehovah's Witness to do. Knock on people's doors. Take this out there in the territory to people. It's interesting how Bethel, you couldn't come to their house. If you went to visit Bethel, they would send you away. And yet they were sending Jehovah's Witnesses to other people's homes. They made sure that they were taken care of, but they would send the witnesses to somebody else's house. Uh, someone sent me a screen capture. And it was a screen capture <laughs> of all the witnesses. Anyone who's ever used Zoom in a business meeting, uh, you can line up all the people who are participating. Um, you know, I work in the IT industry, so that's one of the, the tools that we use very heavily uh, in the organization that I work at. And you can see all the people lined up. And as you look at all the witnesses lined up, it reminds me of a scene. And if you have not ever seen this movie, I, I, I can't tell you enough. Take this. In fact, because it's such an older movie, it's out in the free domain. You can go on YouTube and actually watch this movie. It's called 1984. And there is a scene in this movie where every house, every single house has a television set on the wall. And that television set is used to monitor them. They can see you and they can, you can see that their face as well. And they monitor everything you do. When I saw that picture of all of these Jehovah's Witnesses sitting in their living room with their little suits and ties on, organization made them dress up, dress up. And I said to myself, this is 1984. I mean, this is 1984. When they're able to watch you. I mean, they're literally, you know, I mean, I, they're, they're pretty soon, that's going to be an elder. His assignment is literally going to be to watch the monitor. That's going to be his title. He will be able, he will be assigned to watch the monitor, see who's attending the meeting, who's not, and give out the names, and those folks are going to get called. I mean, it's coming. In fact, I told people, we, we used to laugh a few years back, when they put those two monitors, those two Flat screen TVs up in every Kingdom Hall. We was like, oh, man, you remember that movie? Remember that commercial? That 1984 commercial that Apple Computer did with Macintosh? If you haven't seen it, go and take a look at it. That's Apple Macintosh 1984. You talking about Jehovah's Witnesses sitting there looking just like that? That's exactly the way they look. The experiences that witnesses have had with Zoom, oh, my goodness. They, write, they literally run the range. Um, I had a buddy of mine call me up. He's still going. And he said that his family, they decided to, you know, check into the meeting and he couldn't get in. He was blocked. Well, it turned out was he didn't have his computer name correctly. You see, he had to have it changed to the family name, not just a generic name. And that's interesting because basically what the society is able to do with Zoom, anybody who works in uh, and uses Zoom knows this that you can monitor people and you can monitor them very well. And that's what Zoom is really allowing the society to do is to literally monitor witnesses. That's why having that camera on is so important. As one sister said, the elder call member said, you need to turn your camera on. And when you're done, we need you to take a picture, a selfie, he said. Take a selfie of you and the family so we'll know exactly how many attended the meetings today. We're talking about 1984 all the way. Now, of course, the drawback with the camera is that people get to see what you look like. Uh, 
fellow told me, he said, <laughs> the brother called me up after the meeting and said, look like you haven't shaved in two weeks. It's on, people. I mean, the society, if there's ever been an opportunity to clamp down, to monitor, it's on right now. We were discussing was how fading, in fact, we did a video, should I disassociate myself or just fade on out? And right now, fading is very, very difficult to do. Because you see, at least back in the day, you could just miss a meeting and tell the brothers, well, you know, I, I was feeling a little bad and children were sick on your way fading out, but not now. You see, with Zoom, you got to be at the meeting because we know you're home. It is absolute clampdown time. These high-tech tools will be used to literally tighten the screws on Jehovah's Witnesses' behavior, what they do, and everything. And this is really just the beginning. Um, society has much more in mind. And as the days go by, and the years go by, and the months go by, the need to control their people is simply increases. I mean, think about it. Every time the society releases anything, anything, it's already on the internet before the congregation gets it. That's because there are people inside who are just tired. They're just tired. I've talked to so many of these elders. They're just tired. And so we see we are allowed to literally take a peek inside the organization. And of course, since everybody has, has been quarantined in the house, you got Zoom, you got to be at the meetings because everybody knows where you're supposed to be at a certain time. So the society is going to actually use these high-tech tools, very much like you see countries that are overseen by dictators. They use high-tech to monitor literally their people on a daily basis. Society is going to do exactly the same thing. And it's going to become even more invasive. But this is where we are. And this is why people really need to stop and ask themselves some very serious questions about what is happening on around them. Because it is not going to lighten up. It is going to increase. That is a fact. Because that's what it has always done. Society does not lighten their foot off the back of anybody's neck. They're going to crush it even harder. And that's what we're going to see. This has been JT. Take care of yourself and your family. Be safe. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.